G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Before we take any questions at all, Alex, let me just ask you about something pretty significant. Uh, You know, listeners will have caught the headlines around Crown Resorts and the idea that they've been declared not a suitable person to hold a gaming licence for their proposed casino operation at Barangaroo in Sydney. And it raises a question that, uh, you know, when we're investing in things, ought we to be looking at ethical investments where things are above board and there's a good reputation? As Your thoughts on, uh, on this idea of uh, making an ethical investment as a Christian? So, um, look, I think it's a really important area for Christians to explore. We really need to honour God with our money. You know, the Christian life is a surrendered life. Uh, and, of course, that includes surrendering uh, control of our money as well. And so we have to honour God with it. And so, therefore, when we're investing money, we have to ask, are we doing it in a way that, you know, lines up with what we see in Scripture? You know, is it, um, when we're investing, are we doing things that hurt people, for example? Are we doing things that harm God's creation? Uh, and they're the sort of things we should be uh, thinking about um, as we look at investing out. I'd like to say that was easy, but you really do need to do your homework before you invest in things to actually see if, in fact, it does line up. But as you say, the issue with Crown is an interesting one because I think it raises probably two two questions for, for Christians, and that is, one, should we invest in a sector like gaming, given the, the potential harm to, to people that have a gaming addiction, for example? Um, so that'd be one question. And the second one is, should we invest in companies where there's question marks around the management and how they handle things and do they do things in ways that are, you know, ethical and so forth? So two big questions I think people need to to answer. And so because of the challenges around ethical investing, I do think people, though, need to have that. Uh, You've got to really do things in good conscience uh, with an intent of obeying God's word. Uh, when you go about your investing process. Uh, Alex, we'll come back to this and we might talk some more about ethical investments, but uh, we are inviting listeners to call in on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. A listener who doesn't want to give their name, but uh, welcome along to 2020. Hi, how are you going? Very well. What are your thoughts and do you have a question? That's good. Yeah, it's got a question for Alex. Just um, keen to know what his um, view is just as a Christian living in um, in the world today. Just with the size of mortgages, um, you know, we've we've always had a mortgage and we've bought and sold over the years and several times over that's enabled us to pretty much um, own our own home outright. But we didn't really have, um, both of us didn't really have sort of probably um, biblical instruction. And now that I read the Bible as an adult, it's really saying not to get into debt at all. So I'm wondering as a parent, what would be uh, a better way to sort of advise my young teenage children, you know, with that chapter of life ahead of them. So one thing was about the more getting into a mortgage. The other question I have was about um, Christian schooling is a massive cost, and I just we, there's lots talking about how we, you know, we should be tithing and our kids probably should go to a Christian school, and then you've got the size of the mortgage. Realistically, how on earth can Christians actually? 
tithes 10% and put their kids through Christian schooling and all the other things that life brings. And I'm just, as an adult, I'm just wondering how to coach my kids through what Alex thinks um, biblically we should use as a framework for that. Fabulous questions. Alex, what are your thoughts? (laughs) They're great questions. And in fact, I think with the first one about mortgages, we're actually going to cover that as a whole topic in a couple of weeks. But um, to answer the question now, though, um, there's two key things the, um, the Bible says about debt. And one is that it warns that it can lead to slavery. Um, it doesn't suggest that debt is sinful. So I, I think Christians having mortgages as a general principle is okay. There's no problem with having a mortgage. There's nothing sinful about it per se. But the real warning message is that it can lead to it in slavery. Uh, and that is that, um, you know, the and the, the, the passage in Proverbs says that the, uh, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the slave of the lender. So that to me is the real risk of borrowing money, particularly in the current climate where interest rates are so artificially low. That's the first thing. The second part of it is the Bible says not to guarantee anyone's debts. And this is something I come across all the time um, with Christian parents wanting to guarantee their children's loans in the first, you know, if they're a first home, you know, first time home buyer. And that's a, that's a big risk because it puts equity in your own home at risk. So that's something I would, um, you know, caution parents against. I generally say advise against it um, unless there's, you know, particularly strong circumstances to do it. So that's the first two things from a, a biblical point of view. But given the current environment, the thing I would encourage all Christian parents listening to this is to very much encourage your children to start small and work their way up into to bigger properties because um, we live in a, a world where central banks have lowered interest rates to these artificially low levels. Um, you can now borrow money, hard to believe, at less than 2% on a fixed loan here in Australia. Uh, and the risk is that if your kids take on a big loan, uh, then what may happen is that interest rates rise, which would seem inevitable at some point. Now, we don't know when, but it would seem inevitable. And the risk is they then won't be able to afford it in the future. Um, so I, I work on a principle, and that is that if you can't afford inter- uh, the loan at an interest rate of 8%, then you shouldn't have it. Now, that sounds like a lot, given we're talking loans at 2.5%. But if you can't afford it at 8 then you probably can't afford it at all. Um, particularly important for young couples because obviously what happens, they get married uh, and then a kid comes along and so they usually go from being a double-income house down to a single-income house. Um, And, of course, there's all sorts of other issues around whether you want to be a double-income house anyway because of raising children and so forth. So it's a very tough issue because house prices are very obscenely high in this country and interest rates are very, very low. So the big issue here is make sure your kids don't put themselves into a position where they have too much debt and they're going to get enslaved. So that's, yeah. That's and uh, it, there was a second one, question in there too uh, from our listener and it was around Christian schools and uh, that's a big expense for parents and they'll hear encouragement to get your kids into a Christian school. Uh, what are your thoughts for parents uh, bearing the burden of the cost of Christian schooling and uh, this idea of you know giving a tithe of your income or a generous offering from your income uh, to uh, issues around church because you're giving to God. What are your thoughts around that issue, Alex? Mm, it's a great one. Look, and it's a massive issue, as you say. In fact, 25% of private school fees are now paid by grandparents because it's just so expensive. So it's actually a huge societal issue in, in general. Um, so as a Christian parent, the way I look at it initially is I say that Ultimately, the responsibility for your child 
um, coming to Christ uh, resides with the parents at home. We live in a culture now where we try and outsource everything. So we, we, we put our kids in youth group, we take them to you know, church on Sunday, we, um, we put them in a Christian school. And so we tend to Christianize them and give them a lot of Christian uh, thinking. But really what they do, to because uh, I, I think about, I've got four kids, so I think about this literally all the time, uh, four kids in primary age. Um, and so the wife, my wife and I have just come to the conclusion that how we act and behave at home is by far the most critical element. So that's, the, the, to me, the principle. Therefore, if we can't afford to put our kids into a Christian school, which may be our you know, preference, then public to me is perfectly okay so long as we're giving them the we're absolutely deliberate and intentional um, about raising our kids as Christians at home that they experience God uh, that they learn about God they serve God and that they know God personally and to me that's the responsibility of the parent not of the Christian school so if you're a, a Christian parent and you think well I can't afford to put my kid uh, into a Christian school then I'd say to you don't panic don't worry because that's not the, the, the that's not the, the clincher at the end of the day. It's you and what you do at home is the key thing. So it's a very simple issue ultimately, and that is if you can't afford to put the um, your kids into a private school, then make sure, then then um, then do it, you know make sure you absolutely intentional about home in in how you raise them because that's the real element. So affordability doesn't have to be you know, the determinant at the end of the day. It does in terms of paying the fees, but in terms of raising your kids to be Christian, I think that all happens in the home as the primary responsibility. Well, I have our listener, uh, Bridget, from Albany in WA. Bridget, does that answer your question? Are you, are you comfortable with those responses? Yeah, no, that's really, really good. Um, and it's sort of, I guess, it's confirmation for us in a way because we sort of have got four kids, so we're sort of our third one. We've just... All the kids have been through Christian schooling, but we've actually, we felt led sort of a couple of years ago about actually just pulling him out of um, Christian schooling and so he's year nine and we've done that now. And obviously there's a lot of um, things that probably could go wrong and we wouldn't have done it if we didn't feel really strongly in his personality type and his depth of faith and all the rest of it. But actually finding it's been actually the best thing we've done um, because it's, it's sort of like he's had nine years of um Christian learning so now he's actually in an environment where he can actually use it and test it and he's um it's quite amazing we've sort of we sort of prepped him for the worst case transition but he's had a great transition and the and the reality is his generation of kids there's actually no preconceived ideas um at his state school they're actually very very open to God so he's sort of someone that the kids are actually starting to come to now and have questions and there's actually this natural curiosity um, they're not all, you know, um, they're not all sort of outright atheists and shouting him down at all. He's actually getting lots of opportunities in science class and him and biology to actually share his faith and the teachers are even open to it too. So you sort of hear a lot bad and we sort of have this perception that oh, we've got to wrap them in cotton wool but we've actually just found, um, and we were really challenged by another couple in our church who'd um, pulled their kids out of Christian school, not saying everyone should do it and obviously you'd only do it if you felt led but the reason for them was they were actually able to fund a lot more uh, minist- other ministries because of they're not paying this, you know, huge, big sort of, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars every year on school fees. So we sort of took that cue for them. We were challenged by that. And so we're able to support a lot more ministries now. But in saying that, yes, our kids are plugged in at youth group and we have two very intentional um, Bible studies with our family every week too. So we've had to... Um, do that extra because I think you're right I think the sole responsibility is um, it's great having the schooling and the youth group in church but the reality is if you're not living it at home 
the other things aren't going to tend to stick because it's hypocritical. So our kids are looking at us first and foremost. So, yeah, thank you for that. That's been really informative. Thanks. Bridget, thank you so much for your call. And our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question or a comment or even a critique around the sorts of things we talk about, Christians and money. Our special guest is Alex Cook. Alex, let's come back to this idea of ethical investing because, you know, when a... A headline hits the news around, uh, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, casino and the one that we're talking about, the Crown Resorts Casino that was proposed there for Barangaroo in Sydney. Uh, not a fit person to hold uh, that sort of casino license, ethical investments. It does bring us to a question, though, Alex. Uh, if you're going to be an ethical investor, are you actually taking a hit if you're perhaps investing in something else that might not be quite so profitable. Uh, Good investments, bad investments, uh, ethical investments, not so ethical investments. What are your thoughts around making those sorts of decisions? It's a great one. It's It's a question I really encourage people to think through. And the question should be, am I willing to accept a potentially lower return so that I'm making sure I honour God with my finances. I think it's a really important question for people to wrestle with because ultimately, if the answer to that question is yes, then perhaps we do have to rethink how we invest because ultimately all of us have, you know, as adults, have money in superannuation funds, many of which don't follow ethical policies per se. And so there is a risk that our money is is causing harm. So are we willing to potentially switch out um, money from a, a profitable fund to a less profitable one? Because ultimately the goal of investing is that you you know, have a gain in your wealth, so to speak. But are we willing to do it and potentially accept a lower rate, but in order to be obedient to God and honour him with our money? I mean, I think logically the obvious answer is yes, um, but certainly in my, uh, you know, over the years of talking to clients about it, it's i found that many people uh, consider it secondary. Um, And that's, I think, the challenge in our culture is we need to put God first with our money, not second. And are we willing to be obedient in all things, not just some things? Uh, And so that's why I think the the mandate to invest ethically is a very critical one to, to think through and act in good conscience. Do you think it's the case that most Christians, perhaps just like most ordinary Aussies, don't really think very much about where their superannuation funds are being invested by uh, that super fund? And, uh, you know, there are times when I've spoken to Christian super funds and uh, they'll say that the returns are just as good as anywhere else. Uh, what are your thoughts here for, uh, for the idea that maybe people don't even think about which super fund they're with and whether they're invested ethically or unethically? Uh, Well, I'm sure that's true of uh, the vast majority of people. Um, I'd be stabbing in the dark in terms of percentages, but I wouldn't be surprised if 80% of people don't necessarily give it that much thought. Um, There's a lot of research now that shows that ethical investing does not detract from investment returns, um, which is obviously good news. Um, Obviously, I mean, you will read if you search around different, uh, different views on that, but generally speaking, it doesn't compromise the return as a general principle. But as I say, I think it still begs the question, are we willing to accept a lower return and be obedient? Um, but that's actually not the, the big challenge that Christians necessarily have because over the years talking to people about it, one of the, the, the big issues is actually finding uh, investments that, are, that line up 
with with what we believe, um, because ethics conceptually is a slightly relative word. You know, what is ethical to one person may not be to another, and this is where it gets into you know potential controversial areas around you know, issues around climate change. Probably the the obvious one for Christians is you know would I buy a alcohol company, for example? Um, now most Christians that I know drink wine, and so I wouldn't bother them to own a wine stock. But other Christians I know don't drink at all. And so there's a question, would that be ethical or not? And so where it gets challenging is when you're looking for ethical investments is finding ones that tick all the boxes. And so at some point you do have to sit back and say, well, I live in a fallen world. What am I prepared to do here? Um, because if you look hard enough, you can find ethical issues with lots of things. So it is a, it's a challenging area when you start getting to the the depth of it and really doing your homework. Well, time's run out, Alex, and I'll encourage listeners uh, to post a question on our Facebook post, which says Ask Alex, which you'll find at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Look for the Ask Alex post. Post a question there. We'll be answering listener questions each week. We're taking live calls. And if you didn't get through, you may have been able to leave a question on our feedback option on still on 1-800-316-316. Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. How do you connect with Alex at Wealth With Purpose? You can go to the website, wealthwithpurpose.com. Free ebooks, the My Toolkit, free videos, podcast content, all available on Alex's site. You can also connect with Alex on Facebook at Purpose Wealth. And you can connect too with Alex at Twitter, twitter.com forward slash wealth purpose. Alex, great getting your insights once again. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always great fun. Thanks. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.